what we're recognizing now here, Paul, is that we do need to actually develop a unified transit system. The conversation is just starting here in the Triangle. It's going to take a lot of work. It could be many years. But at the end of the day, when we add that extra million people on top of the 2 million we already have, and this region becomes 3 million people and has all this congestion, the only way to really be effective in addressing this is to have a unified transit system. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged News and Views. This week, we've got a great interview for you with Chuck Latuka, president and CEO of Go Triangle Transit down in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Good friend of mine, used to work with me at the MTA where he headed up the Purple Line project there, the largest P3 in the nation at the time with over $5 billion. I think you'll find it fascinating as he talks about the power of regionalism and what they're doing in the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area to promote that. We're also going to take a look at a lot of the big headline news from around the industry right now. Just got back from the American Public Transportation Association's Transform Conference, where uh, the conference was held in Seattle last week, and uh, the conference broke all attendance records for a Transform Conference with around 3,000 attendees. Uh, A great event and a good event for us here at Transit Unplugged. We were able to interview uh, for an upcoming episode, Rich Davey. Rich is the president of New York City Transit, a great interview from the head of our largest transit system in America. Also, my book, Conversations on Equity and Inclusion in Public Transportation, was featured uh, at the conference at a big book launch event at the Vontis booth on Monday, where we had about a dozen top transit leaders come down, speak on the topic for a large crowd, hundreds of people gathered, uh, and sign books and give away over 100 copies of the book. Those who were contributors to the book that participated in the book launch signing event included Terry White, our host for the event in Seattle. He's general manager of King County Metro in Seattle. Inez Evans, CEO of Indigo Transit. Alex Wiggins, CEO of New Orleans RTA. Um, India Birdsong, general manager of Greater Cleveland RTA. Freddie Fuller, VP of Jacobs and past chair of the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials, or COMTO. Julie Tim, the other host for our event. She is CEO of Sound Transit in Seattle. Uh, Also, Bakara Sanderson-Malden, chief of staff for Memphis Area Transit Authority. David Kim, past secretary of transportation of California. Bridget Beato, CEO of Luminar Consulting. And Rod Jones, portfolio leader of Medaxo and others were there to speak on the topic. As I mentioned, it was a great heartfelt event. Uh, you can see pictures of it online on my LinkedIn page and other places. And uh, we gave away over 100 signed copies of the book and uh, generated a lot of um, excitement online. Also excited to announce that the book has gone to number one on Amazon for books on mass transit. Uh, We're excited about that. Um, And uh, the book itself will drop officially on, um, meaning you can download it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Book Babies, uh, Bookshelf and Bookstore, and uh, about a dozen other online and uh, retailers uh, on the 20th of October. And the paperback will be available on November 17th. I encourage you to pick up a copy. I've got the price dropped as low as Amazon would let me drop it to $2.99 for the ebook. And if you do get a book, please uh, take time to leave a review online at Amazon. We want to help them. That'll push the algorithm and that we want to help spread this message of equity and inclusion in public transportation. Really the important role it plays right now uh, in our, in our uh, country. 
I'll be talking about that actually uh, next week at Smart Transit in Denver, where on Tuesday, the 25th of October at 4.30 p.m., I'll be a keynote speaker on the topic of ridership and the role of equity and inclusion and environmental stewardship and how that's kind of replaced as the industry's number one key performance indicator, how's it replaced ridership. Uh, I'll also be on a panel on a similar topic at 5.30 p.m., and I'm excited to announce that I'll be debuting at this conference, the world debut of a brand new video short under five minutes long that I did uh, with my good friend, uh, video director, award-winning musician, who has been helping me do a bunch of the projects lately, including our Transit Unplugged television show. Um, and it's Jaime Quadra. And he is a, a great video director and filmographer. Uh, and he put this together with me on kind of um, looking at the what happened in public transit during the pandemic, what's happening right now, and where we hope to go with amazing original scored music for it. I think you'll find that if you attend the conference, uh, it'll be uh, fascinating for you. I'm also going to be uh, giving away copies of the book, thanks to Transloc, who's sponsoring it at Comotion LA which will be held on November 15th through 17th in Los Angeles. Uh, also hopefully be talking there on this topic. If you'd like me to come to your agency, either in person or online to a staff meeting to talk about the important topic of including equity and inclusion in public transportation, just drop me a line and let me know. Be happy to see if we can arrange that. Uh, Paul.comfort at medaxo.com. In other headline news uh, from the industry with some big news around the country, actually, one more thing that came out of uh, APTA was um, new leadership for the American Public Transit Transportation Association, including uh, former guests on our program, including Dorville Carter, president of Chicago Transit Authority, was named APTA chair. Adley Legrand, CEO of Hillsborough Area Regional Transit Authority, has been a guest on our show and also wrote a chapter in our book, From Heart in Tampa, was selected as vice chair. My good friend, Jose Bustamante, vice president, TI National Business Development, STV Incorporated, was executive committee member at large. Jeff Nelson, CEO, managing director of Rock Island County Metropolitan Mass Transit District, Metrolink in Moline, Illinois, finished up his term as past chair. As you remember, he took over early because um, the federal government needed our chairwoman to go up there and become head of the FTA. And um, Jeff Wharton uh, will also be secretary treasurer for the year. Congratulations to all those board members and other many board members who came in as part of the executive committee, Doug Tisdale, Bill Carpenter, Janet Walker Ford, Carolyn Gano, um, also had uh, portfolio seats on the executive committee. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, that's they do great work as head of uh, our national association here in the U.S. One other bit of personnel news, April Chan, a more than 20 year employee of the San Mateo County Transit District or Sam Trans, has been named to succeed Carter Mao as Sam Trans general manager and chief executive officer. They unanimously, the board unanimously approved her appointment. She's been serving as acting deputy general manager and CEO, and she'll begin her new role effective November 1st. Congratulations. Uh, to April Chan on this important appointment. Big news also coming out of LA, transportation officials from the Los Angeles County Metropolitan Transportation Authority, or Metro, this last week commemorated the grand opening of the K-Line, 
Los Angeles's newest light rail line with a burst through a banner at the intersection of Crenshaw and 48th Street in South Los Angeles. The opening of the K line, previously known as Crenshaw LAX line, marks the official return of rail service on Crenshaw Boulevard since the last Los Angeles Railway Line 5 yellow streetcars trundled down the street in 1955. To mark the historic milestone, Metro provided free rides on the K line all other Metro bus lines and bike share services. The new line represents Metro's single largest transportation investment in the South Los Angeles region in over 20 years. Uh, congratulations to Metro and um, the all the folks in LA, I think are going to uh, really enjoy this brand new service. And to Stephanie Wiggins, CEO of Metro, she said, after decades of going without rail transit, I'm proud to lead Metro as it delivers the K-Line to Crenshaw, Inglewood, and all the other South Los Angeles communities. Going to another one of our major cities here in the U.S., Chicago's Metra debuted the latest addition to its locomotive fleet, a like-new remanufactured locomotive that promises to increase reliability and efficiency and decrease emissions and operating costs. The locomotive was assigned the number 500 in Metra's locomotive numbering systems. Metra CEO and executive director Jim Derwinski said, we're excited to introduce this new locomotive for the My Metra riders. This locomotive and others to follow will replace some of the oldest locomotives in our fleet. We'd like, we would expect to see a significant increase in reliability and decrease in emissions as a result. The Metra board approved a $71 million contract to purchase 15 of these a couple of years ago. And, um, the remaining locomotives will be delivered approximately one a month starting this next month of November. And finally, down to the southern part of the United States, to San Antonio, Texas, the um, VIA folks, VIA Trans Operations Center and Maintenance Facility has been officially dedicated. It's an 11-acre property designed to house VIA Trans Operations and Fleet Maintenance. And it became the first facility built by VIA for VIA in the history of the agency and the first maintenance and operations center for public transit to open in San Antonio in more than 75 years. The building is a former retail store and it was a popular nightclub before VIA bought it and repurposed it to service VIA's paratransit fleet and operations with vehicle fueling, detailing and washing stations, underground oil tanks, a water capture technology, loading docks, vehicle maintenance bays, office and exercise space for employees. And uh, congratulations to the folks there for this brand new facility. Great to see uh, our transit agencies continuing to uh, build on the momentum that has come out of uh, the pandemic with all the extra money coming from the federal government, local agencies. I think um, people realize that uh, coming out of the pandemic, it's probably one of the reasons why this year's APTA Transform Conference broke all records with 3,000 attendees is that people are really looking and longing for connection, especially after being isolated for so long during the pandemic. And in addition, I think we all know that inside every one of our hearts is the primary need for significance. So when people come together at conferences like APTA's Transform or when we announce these big new uh, events with uh, new vehicles, new facilities, we're coming together as an industry to connect and to celebrate the significance of what we have done for America during the pandemic. Public transit was the one keeping the wheels of our economy and society turning. And we've come out of the pandemic stronger than ever in the sense that we've refined our mission. We're not just focused on increasing ridership on commuter trains and commuter buses going to the big, tall, shiny buildings in our downtown. Now we are gathered together and refocused, re-energized to chart the next steps of how we are going to lead the nation and the world's recovery by providing mobility for all 
environmental stewardship, and more equity and inclusion. These are our new beacons of success, and they should be our message points to the public and to policymakers. Bravo to every one of you listening to this podcast today who's a transit worker, a transit leader, who's now going to take this charge and deliver on our promise for the world. Thanks for being with us today on Transit Unplugged. Now stay tuned for our Newsmaker interview with my good friend Chuck Latuka from Go Triangle. I'm Paul Comfort with my good friend Chuck Latuka, President and Chief Executive Officer of Go Triangle. Chuck, thanks so much for being with us today on the podcast. All right. Thanks for having me, Paul. And you're where are you located today? Where are you calling in from? So we're calling from the Raleigh-Durham uh, area uh, in North Carolina. So Chuck and I go way back. Chuck and I worked together at the Maryland Department of Transportation's MTA, uh, where Chuck was building the nation's largest P3 project, a uh, public-private partnership, the Purple Line, which was a 16.2-mile light rail line connecting around the Washington, D.C. area into their network of the rail system. And he w- did a yeoman's job there for uh, almost five years, Chuck. Do, did right. it seem, uh, I mean, that was amazing, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> You know, it was amazing. Uh, it was almost five years, and uh, uh, it was a heck of a project, and learned a lot. Uh, and uh, everything uh, that we did there, uh, I'm bringing those skills to uh, North Carolina to uh, try to build a commuter rail uh, system that will go between uh, Raleigh and Durham and North Carolina. So maybe a 37 mile uh, commuter rail system is what we're uh, studying right now, and we'll hopefully we'll take one of these uh, segments here that we're looking at into development soon. Wow, that's something. Well, t- before we dive into that uh, real deep, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. What is Go Triangle? Tell me sure. about the service that you provide there. Sure, Go Triangle is a it's, a it's a small bus agency, about 80 buses. We cover about 70 miles, a three-county area. Uh, we are the regional connection between all the urban uh, bus providers. So we connect the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, and Cary bus systems uh, together. Uh, uh, we're the regional link. We carry only about 8% of the uh, transit riders in the in the Triangle area, uh, but we carry them 33% of the miles. Uh, so uh, we're a, a vital uh, resource, and we're not just a resource for operations, for bus, uh, bus transit, but we're also a uh, planning agency, uh, and we're also charged with being the tax district administrator for some of the sales taxes in other fees that are collected to support transit in the in the triangle in the three county triangle area. So are you an MPO? So we're not an MPO. Uh, we work closely with the MPOs. Uh, we have two MPOs in our region uh, that we work with. And uh, but we are we we kind of are the contractual services for some of the other bus operators. So for instance, uh, we have a very heavy bus and capital planning and engineering uh, department. Uh, we do their capital projects, for instance, for instance, on the city of Durham. We do a lot of their bus stops improvements, the park and rides. Uh, we'll do those for Orange County and also in Wake County. Uh, we also um, administer the city of Raleigh uh, bus operations contract. That is uh, the services being delivered by First Transit. We oversee that contract for the city of Durham. And we've been doing that for about 10 years uh, uh, since 2011. That's interesting. So, um, what what is the um, I guess what's the background of the agency? Is it created by state law, or is it a regional compact? It is a uh, it's an authority. It's considered a unit of uh, local government. It's created okay. under state law, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's been in existence for about thirty three years. Uh, and uh, it's it's I think what they saw was that there was a need 
who have a uh, kind of an umbrella agency for all the regional transit providers. So transit in the Triangle area is kind of delivered uh, through collaboration between the cities and Go Triangle. And it's it's we're not one urban area with one urban core and one large transit provider like Charlotte or Austin or even Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, so we are uh, kind of helping drive that regional conversation. We uh, we provide the connective tissue for the transit system, so to speak. Uh, to make sure that uh, folks aren't just limited to uh, taking transit in their own uh, cities, but also have the ability to reach other areas, which five different uh, urban centers that are very close together, uh, but still uh, need that uh, that connection to get from one urban center to another urban center. That's amazing that the regionalism there. So the listeners who have been in the business for a while will remember these names. So back up in the 90s, when I was working for Mayflower Laidlaw, one of my first contracts I won in business development to manage a contract was the Wake County Coordinated Transportation Service. Does that still exist? You know, I don't think it exists in its uh, present form, but uh, okay. Wake County does have a paratransit service called, uh, uh, I think it's called Wake Connect. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we also have our own paratransit system that uh, we provide services uh, to the region. Uh, and then also Chapel Hill and uh, Orange County have their own. Uh, and so does Durham. So, again, it's another uh, kind of a loose collaborative effort to yeah. uh, even on the paratransit side to get folks around. Now, another one I remember visiting and and winning a contract there to run the service for must have been laid law at the time. I'm thinking uh, was the Wolf Line at North Carolina State. I think it was in Raleigh. Does that still exist? And are you part it of sure, that? Oh, it sure does. Uh, they have their own uh, very robust uh, uh, bus system for North Carolina State. Uh, so does Duke. Uh, Duke actually operates articulated buses on their campus. Wow. Uh, they're the only articulated bus operator in the Triangle. Okay. So you, so you really are coordinating and kind of collaborating with all of these. That's, that's uh, very unique, I think, in, in many ways yeah. uh, for, for that type of collaboration, regionalism. So I, you know, it is. Uh, regionalism is, uh, is, is always on everybody's lips in the triangle. Um, you know, having the, uh, uh, the ability to just connect and, and provide services in a coordinated fashion because we just don't have one large urban core like most uh, operators. So if you put all the system uh, operators together, we have almost over 400 buses and we provide uh, together as a five transit uh, family, so to speak, in the triangle, we provide over 20 million trips a year. Wow. Uh, and uh, so it does add up. Yeah. Um, and we and we want to make sure that we continue growing these services and also provide some kind of new backbone as far as maybe adding a rail, fixed skyway rail, commuter rail type system uh, into our region here uh, to provide even greater services because of the extreme growth that the Triangle is experiencing uh, and will experience over the next 20 years. Yeah. I mean, the that Triangle region, the Raleigh-Durham area is one of the fastest growing in the nation, right? Especially for businesses. It really is. And um, we're going to add by 2050, a million people. Wow. Uh, and that's, that's, and they're going to bring with them a million cars and that, you know, <laughs> so our, our road system is going to get uh, very, very congested uh, and start to fail. Uh, we certainly need to provide that transit alternative uh, here for those folks. Uh, we're going to add over 850,000 jobs by 2050. Uh, and many of these folks who come to these jobs aren't just going to be living in the triangle. They're coming from outside the triangle also. 
Uh, so there's a lot of uh, movement in the area to reach these jobs. Apple just uh, came here about a year and a half ago to uh, locate and build out a, uh, a new regional uh, engineering center that's going to bring about three to 5,000 jobs here in the next couple of years. Um, Google's here. Uh, large Other large pharma companies are coming here. So we are experiencing tremendous growth. We're very fortunate uh, here in the Triangle to experience that growth, but we're also recognizing the challenges that come with that growth. And this is what we're preparing for uh, now. Yeah. I mean, and these these are good jobs. These are high paying, six figure tech right. jobs. It's You're considered like a, a research triangle as well, I know. So let's talk a little bit about that, that regional rail that you're talking about, Chuck. Where are you at and what's the game plan? So right now we are just finishing up the feasibility study. We studied a, a, a 43 mile corridor and with 37 miles being the core. And then we uh, bolted on another uh, uh, six miles to include Johnston County, our neighboring county here, just outside our operating region, uh, because they had a strong interest in also providing commuter rail uh, to their citizens. Uh, so we're finishing up that study. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with inflation as it is today and the numbers we had to use uh, in determining the cost of the system, okay. uh, what we're seeing here is that the system's going to be much more expensive than we thought. So we may have to actually, instead of building out the whole system, perhaps under a new Starks kind of uh, scenario, uh, we may be looking at building uh, this system out in phases, but I think it's very doable. Uh, I think we, by 2040, we can build out many of the uh, different components of this uh, system uh, and have a uh, maybe a 15-mile uh, segment open by 2033. So we are getting very excited to get our local leaders to make some decisions on which segment they want to build out first, and we want to move that project into development by next summer. Very good. Well, that's something you have a little bit of experience doing and working in a very tough operating environment around the D.C. area where we were going to go through a golf course and all kinds of things and had all kinds of interesting uh, opposition. So um, tell us about uh, there's one other project that you and I talked about ahead of time that I found fascinating. That's your TOD Rust Bus. Tell us about that. So TOD is something that's a little bit new to the to the triangle, maybe even to the southeast, uh, at least uh, outside of Florida. Uh, Transit-oriented development uh, projects is uh, uh, is something that we've done a lot, quite a, quite a bit of, Paul, in, in Maryland. But now we're going to bring some of that experience here to the triangle. Uh, we have uh, we took a, a, a piece of property that Go Triangle owned uh, adjacent to the Raleigh Union Station, Amtrak Station in Raleigh, about a one acre size parcel. And we put that out for redevelopment. And right now, uh, we have a we have a contract with the Hoffman Associates to build uh, a two hundred and thirty million dollar private overbuild on top of a forty million dollar uh, uh, bus uh, parking and transfer facility under that development, uh, which was uh, assisted by a build grant for twenty million dollars that we got a few years ago. So it was really, uh, a, a, I think, a well positioned project. Uh, it's a multimodal project. We'll have a pedestrian bridge from this development over to the Amtrak station. We'll have our buses come into the station underneath the development and on street level, uh, the city of Raleigh's uh, new BRTs, which will be operating by this time, will be picking up people and dropping them off outside the station uh, on the street level. So uh, multimodal, uh, multi-agency uh, effort. And I, I really think it's gonna be a great example for the Triangle and other cities in the, in the Southeast to uh, try to duplicate because this is something here in this FTA region, they they haven't done a lot of, but, you know, I think them gaining experience and us gaining the experience here, I think is gonna be just the kind of the launching pad for the next round of TODs that are gonna come and possibly over at uh, Research Triangle Park 
uh, would be our next target for that uh, type of development. What's the timeline on this? So uh, we started demolition on the old warehouses that occupy the site right now. Uh, the, the Most of the building is down. Uh, we're looking at a uh, late spring, early summer groundbreaking for the overbuild uh, and the bus garage. And uh, we're certainly excited about that. And we're going to have a huge groundbreaking ceremony, uh, hopefully in uh, May, June time frame. That's awesome, Chuck. Wow, you got a lot yeah. going on there. What are the what are the five agencies that you coordinate uh, with? You, you mentioned five transit systems. So, sure. So we co-branded most of the agencies, co-branded with each other. So uh, we went from uh, Triangle Transit to Go Triangle. Okay. Uh, Raleigh uh, became Go Raleigh. Durham became Go Durham. Uh, and we have Go Carry. Uh, the only one that's not co-branded with us is Chapel Hill. Uh, they are still tap Chapel Hill Transit. I think you were out there last year, Paul. That's right. I visited Chapel them. Hill yeah. Mm -hmm. That's four. And then what's the fifth one? So that's uh, that's all of it, I think. Oh, uh, you're the fifth one. <laughs> we're the fifth one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. All right. So you're pulling those <laughs> four. Was that a trick question? Yeah. No, you, you said something <laughs> about five. So um, so the four agencies have co-branded. That's a, Chuck, so you really are a regional transit system covering multiple three cities. Yeah. So we are we are um, Go Triangles regional system with all these urban local urban right. partners, and you know what we what we're recognizing now here, Paul, is that we do need to actually develop a unified transit system. Uh, I think that this is start something the conversation is just starting here in the Triangle, uh, and uh, you know it's going to take a lot of work. It could be uh, many years, but at the end of the day, uh, when we uh, add that extra million people on top of the 2 million we already have. And this region yeah. becomes 3 million people and has uh, all this congestion. And, uh, you know, the only way to really be effective in addressing this is to have a unified transit system, I think, in the long haul. Not only that, but we have two MPOs. So I think we need to unify our MPOs at some point. And the census may drive that uh, unification of MPO uh, conversation. Um, so we're waiting to see. Uh, how this the most recent census impacts that because it, there are some rules around that uh, for MPOs, uh, but you know, uh, you know, we're going to be the next Austin, right? And that's what we're planning for to be the next Austin. Okay. Uh, and uh, so we're trying to emulate that. Austin has done a great job uh, of uh, finding uh, transit uh, funding for the build out of the large system to handle the growth that they're anticipating. And I feel like uh, we're like uh, hopefully going to be the next Austin. Maybe we're a mini Austin right now. Yeah, you'd be a mini megapolis. I was <laughs> exactly. Just, I was just with Randy Clark uh, this week at the uh, Seattle APTA Transit Conference. And uh, he, of course, was the Austin CEO. Now in Washington, D.C., where you and I were at for many years and doing a great job there. Well, Chuck, they definitely hired the right guy at the right time to do this job because you've had experience, you know, in the Baltimore region, in Montgomery County, where you had, we didn't even talk about those jobs. And then overseeing, you know, as I mentioned, uh, really the largest P3 project in the nation at the time, over $5 billion, successfully moving that project down the field. I wish you the very best as you continue to really promote regionalism in a way that I think others can emulate uh, who have multiple small, mid-sized cities around each other. Uh, you sound like you're leading the way there, Chuck. So thank you for being with us today and sharing with us some of the uh, some of the tools. And we'll put on our uh, link on transitunplug.com, links to your websites, et cetera, where people can kind of see how it's all being pulled together. Excellent. Thank you, Paul. Yep. We'll see you next time. I want to be down there when you get that building built, man. That'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll be awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll have you down for the groundbreaking. All right. Sounds good. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Transit Unplugged, the podcast. How would you like to see behind the scenes footage of the agencies that Paul visits? 
then be sure to check out the new Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube, where transit evangelist Paul Comfort dives into the culture, the food, and the transit of major cities around the world. You'll see the operations control centers, how maintenance shops work, and the latest innovations taking place at agencies around the globe as we work together to improve the lives of our transit riders and our communities. Be sure to subscribe to Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube or at transitunplugged.com. Hi, I'm Alea Kiri, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Paul's interview with Chuck got me thinking about how marketing can help create a pro-transit culture in areas where some people are still very devoted to driving. Culture takes a long time to build, so marketing is justified in starting early. Yes, I'm talking about marketing to kids, selling transit to them from an early age so they grow up with an ease with and affection for their local systems. One step I recommend is to get fun, engaging information about transit into the local school systems and local homeschooling networks. This could take the form of coloring pages, mazes, word-finding puzzles, and other activity sheets for the youngest kids, and real concrete information on your system for more senior students. Any information about transit is great, but big bonus points if you can brand these promotions and use local streets and sites that kids will recognize. If you have transit employees willing to participate, seek out opportunities for them to speak to classes. Younger kids might be more interested in learning about vehicle basics and how to ride, while older kids could be interested in transit careers. Finally, use kids and families in your advertising as much as you can. Sure, a lot of different demographics ride your system, but showing kids and families on board promotes your system as safe and easy to use for anyone. If you'd like to talk more about starting early to market your system or anything else related to communications or public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Hey, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Terra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Well, last week, Seattle hosted the 2022 APTA Transform Conference. And with the great attendance, it was exciting to see leadership and mentorship on full display. As the conferences continue to gain momentum post-pandemic, with more and more attendees, there is no doubt a buzz of excitement when seeing our peers, sharing our stories, learning opportunities, and just catching up in general. Ridership also slowly continues to return for many agencies as well post-pandemic, and it's reflective in the different sessions and panels that are always available at these great conferences. There was a wonderful lineup of speakers, sessions, and panels with again our industry leaders and mentors sharing their learnings and expertise. The rooms were full of our peers, and as we talk about change, I think back to a few years ago, when sessions on topics such as diversity, equity, inclusion, zero emissions, and fleet electrification were definitely of interest, however, in no way like this past conference, where the rooms were packed and overflowing with participants. This was also highlighted by Paul's latest book launch, which occurred on the trade show floor during the conference, with a large crowd of leaders, mentors, and industry peers taking in the celebration, but more importantly, many of them explaining how they'll be carrying that message within our industry. I'm excited about the upcoming CUTA conference in Montreal coming off the heels of APTA, which will be the first live CUTA show since 2019 and the pandemic. The show is sold out, evidence again of the great opportunity to hear and learn from our industry leaders, mentors, and peers. 
Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views with our guest, Charles Latuca, President and CEO of Go Triangle in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, we have Jennifer DeBrule, Director, Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation. But don't forget to sign up for the newsletter at transitunplugged.com so you're always in the loop for everything that's happened with the podcast and Transit Unplugged TV. If you have a question, comment, or want to be a guest on the show, email us at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.